0: hello welcome to I love rock and roll I'm Ken Krantz and a solo episode today uh, chip chip is too busy uh, he just bought a house so I guess he's he's uh, too good for us um, no actually I, sh- I, I should probably start by just saying something to the listeners we, we, we've been on hiatus for a little bit um, but uh, we're back so um, I'm, I'm excited I was actually I was going to we were not going to start doing new episodes for another week or two and then I got an opportunity to interview uh, the guest that I'm about to bring on and I thought her story was so great and she's got a brand new EP out so um, I decided to come in a week early and and do this interview so I could I could hear your story myself um, with me today is a singer, songwriter, producer, classically trained musician, and an activist and a survivor um, out of Washington D.C. Uh, welcome, Rachel Burns, to the show.
1: Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me.
0: Did I did I do okay with that intro? I usually suck at intros and leave them to my co-host.
1: I usually suck too, so you know I I don't care what you call me. You can call me Rebecca.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't really care. But that was great. That was great.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> do Do you ever? Um, I've. It's so funny. Like you. Like you have a very easy name, Rachel Burns. <laughs> Um, I think I have a pretty easy name, Ken Krantz. It's two syllables. I have had my name messed up by so many hosts. Um, has, has anybody, has anybody ever, uh, screwed up bringing you on stage?
1: Yeah. A lot of people call me Rebecca for some reason. I think it's like the biblical, R names or something, but yeah, I, I really, um, I, I, uh, what is it? A name is just a label. For me you know <laughs> i don't really have any uh attachment to it so you know call me whatever introduce me however i'm just i'm just here with you <laughs> okay
0: great um your new ep is uh it's called what a nasty woman and it just came out it's available for streaming everywhere and um i have to tell you that I, I love EPs and I wish more artists would release them because I've got that uh, like MTV attention span. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause I grew up in the eighties. So I'm like 20 minutes, 25 minutes is so perfect for me.
1: Yeah. It's pretty awesome. You know, I've been like uh, spending the summer taking my kids to camp. And so as of last Friday, I just started, you know, get in the car and saying, you know, put on Rachel Burns. What a nasty woman. And then it's like 23 minutes. Just just drive down the road with the with the windows open, blast it out. It's real fun. Just a little little snippet of time while I'm running errands. It's great.
0: <laughs> do, do, do you do you make your kids and, and um, your husband listen?
1: My husband's in the band. Oh, He's Oh,
0: wow. Side. So you guys work together.
1: Yeah, so he's the bass player. He's been my bass player um, for 21 years, and um, and I've been his singer for 21 years. So um, and then uh, yeah, the kids, the kids are definitely part of it. I've got two girls, um, aged um, 13 and 10, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, you know, I write everything with them in mind.
0: Yes, yeah, I was reading that. I was reading that in one of your interviews. That that all your songs are are sort of written to have something to leave behind for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And absolutely. and I love that because it's like you're sort of leaving um like time capsules of of who you were at that time. Um and And
1: truths and little truths, you yeah. know. Be- Um, I'm a cancer survivor, and I remember when I got diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer 10 years ago, I remember thinking, well, what do I do? Do I write? You know, they were just 10 months old and four years when I got diagnosed.
0: Um, That had to have been, that has to be horrifying, I would imagine. yeah, It
1: was terrible. But, you know, I thought, do I write them, you know, a manual how-to? Do I write them a letter for every year, you know? For the rest of of their lives and then you know as i started getting more and more exhausted i was like that's not gonna happen so um when i started songwriting um more you know and i just started saying well i just write them little funny truths you know in my songs so if if something does happen to me they have um this to look back at and listen to and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know hopefully it will guide them with some humor yeah I love, I love
0: that. I have, I have a seven, I have a seven year old daughter. And, um, I'm divorced. I'm like a single dad or I'm getting divorced. And, um, but I, I, I put out my first stand up album maybe two months before she was born. I, I recorded it and there's, there's the whole middle chunk is, is about, uh, the anxiety of, of having a kid on the way, but the excitement and and the anxiety. And um, I felt the same thing. Like when she's old enough, she'll she'll be able to go on and, and hear where my head was at waiting for her to come into the world and meet her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's so good to put things down as a parent. You know, it's just great.
0: Yeah. Um, she, uh, do, do your kids are, are your kids, like, do they get excited for what you do when, when you, when you have a new song or are they like, you know, you're my mom and nothing's cool. (laughs) Nothing you do will ever be cool.
1: Oh, no, we're we are really close and they love everything I do. And um, they're both vivacious and smart and creative types. And I'm really open with my kids and everyone else in my life. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. So um, they hear me writing music and they hear me singing all day and and they are now singing and they're part of theater. And so. You know, we just support each other really well. I think that was one of the blessings of cancer. There really aren't very many blessings of cancer, but uh, <laughs> sure. the blessing of cancer <laughs> is that, you know, we really appreciate each other. You know, we don't take each other for granted and we really have a good time together.
0: Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. My, my daughter, I think secretly, like she'll go on YouTube and search out some of my stuff. But to my face she has to tell me she has no interest you know like i remember the first time uh the first time i did television it was actually live television like they sent a crew to my house okay. and yeah. i was doing it in the basement and um it was past my daughter's bedtime i'd we'd we'd rec- i recorded it you know on the dvr and the next morning i i remember waking up and was like lila do you wanna do you wanna watch daddy on tv she was like no nah, that sounds boring
1: Yeah. That sounds right. You know, I mean, that's the same kind of thing with my kids. Like we're supportive of each other, but I never make a big deal out of anything. You know, like I didn't even, I didn't even really tell them that, you know, the album came out except for I was playing it on the radio. Um, but you know, it just, you know, it's, it's just, it's just fun to do. And once you face something like an important, um, moment in your life, like having a kid or facing some kind of disease you just sort of realize like hey life is short you know we gotta we gotta do the things that we want to do and put them out there before you know it's too late and or just enjoy life as it comes and the time is now to to do those things you know no time like the present so that's sort of why i put it out you know is just to to you know to put it out there and not have things kind of sit on a hard drive forever
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was wondering, so when when I first clicked on and I saw What a Nasty Woman, of course my first thought was I wonder if it's some kind of Trump reference, if it's gonna be political. And then before I even uh listened to any song, I was just looking at the titles and then I saw tiny hands and I was like, well that's <laughs> that this has to be uh um some sort of uh political statement. And then then I listened to the song and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's. uh...
1: (laughs) Double entendres. (laughs) That whole song. I mean, that song is it's not really I mean, it it is about Trump. It was inspired by him. But, you know, it's a it's a concept out there. And I'm not trying to shame anybody, by the way. I'm just making a social statement about society is just like, you know, I mean, I'm all for body positivity, so I'm not trying mm-hmm. to shame anybody. But like, it is a concept out there, you know, that men feel shame for for that, and um, and sometimes their personalities, you know, reflect that. So, in his case, I just decided to just go for it.
0: That's okay. I, I, I like. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't apologize for that either. Like. <laughs> It's it is okay to shame people sometimes.
1: <laughs> like, well, I figured you know I'm not really a shamer, but shame the shamer. You know right. that was kind of my concept of that was like he was the biggest shamer on the planet, so I wanted to sort of give him a little taste of his own medicine.
0: Do you know what? Do you know my favorite thing right now is that you can tell that uh, the Murdochs have turned on him because every time I read the New York Post, they mention his age. 50 times an article like they, they they don't go more than three sentences without letting you know that he's 77
1: is old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but tell me why why now for this EP like why 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 not a year or two ago
1: well it was in process a year or two mm-hmm. ago and then the pandemic hit
0: Oh right! I'm like, why not? Oh right, because the right. global pandemic, the pandemic that everybody
1: and it <laughs> sort of like got everything sort of wonky with you know recording. Um, right in the middle of it, just sort of, you know, was like, you know, right. so, um, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I picked, picked up the pieces from it and found a way to do it. And, um, it came out great. And you know, I spent some time cleaning up all the tracks cause you know, we were recording them in different houses and in different rooms at one point. And, um, you know, I just pulled everything together and really cleaned it up. And then, you know, I had some bumps in the road, mm-hmm. you know, different, different, um, avenues I thought would take off with it. And then, um, and then I found the right people that just loved it. And um, I, it was like right at the point that I was going to give up. And um, and I, I did a Hail Mary pass and sent it out to a few people. And two people called me right back and said, yes, ma'am. So um, I just went with it and said, okay, well, this is the door opening. So I'm just going to walk through it and see where it takes me. And here I am a year later with um, two EPs out. And um, it was just one big project. It was one big album, but I split it up into two EPs, mm-hmm. and um, and here we are. But it's still topical, you know. We're we're about to get into 2024, uh, Trump's still here, you know, and um, and women are still repressed and even more so than they were a couple years ago. Now with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, so um, you know, it, it still is timely.
0: Yeah, I I on unfortunately. I'm I'm so not um I feel like it's taken me the better part of the two or three years just to um like catch my breath from the last election cycle. And now like the idea of uh doing it all over again is cuz I'm not um I've I've never been a political person and, and right. the, the thing that I hated most about Trump was that um he forced me to pay attention to all this shit. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, you
0: couldn't mm-hmm. escape it. Like I liked, you know, when I when I tuned in to um Biden's inaugural address, it, it was so boring. Like after fifteen seconds I was this is the most boring shit. why would I watch it? And I immediately turned it off. <laughs> And then I was like really I was like oh that's right like that's how you're supposed to feel when the president is Not on the edge of every second <laughs> right. of the
1: day I'm like everything is going to blow up like yes. being in D.C. Yes. it was like we're going to blow at any moment you know I was just living on the edge I
0: w- I would wake up every single morning in in a almost panic and the, and my first move grab your phone check Twitter and see what shit he started overnight hopefully he's just like you know yelling at one of the girls on the brady bunch or something that you didn't see coming and but um i i forgot i i forgot how uh how boring it's supposed to be and and how happy i am when i don't have to pay attention
1: i know i feel the same way i just got completely tired of it which is funny that this album is out but um i also think it's just very you know important to keep talking about it because i think that we all just have been like la 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 la. we don't want to hear about anything because we just were, are exhausted but you know i think it's time for some humor you know we've had yeah. a little um bit of a respite from the trauma of it all and now we just can look back and and have some humor about it and so um you know and he was a wizard you know as i say in tiny hands um sticky paws of misery casting spells of wizardry um <laughs> but sleight of hand ain't wizardry you know right, um, yeah. misery. so so yeah it's just um he was he's a he's a wizard but um you know we we've kind of broken the spell a little bit I hope
0: I hope so I mean it does seem to um you you uh, you, you don't seem to it's not every waking moment that it with the with the coverage anymore so uh I, that's that's good um
1: Thank God. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah the i and and the other thing though it, it's like it 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 just became so divisive like i'm not um i'm not a democrat or a public like like just as uh like as a comedian just as somebody who observes i'm i'm like kind of just right there in the middle. i i kind of hate both sides you know you're you never it's been a while since there's somebody you really get excited about but you couldn't even say like oh i don't like this guy i've never liked i've never liked this guy without it um turning into you know a a political thing you know like i got a fox news uncle who's always calling me like a liberal pussy and a snowflake and it's like i you'd be amazed how many times i voted for your dudes throughout history I just don't like this dude.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I felt. I mean, I'm a little bit of the middle of the road, too. I mean, I'm a little bit more left than I am. Right. But I mean, same. Um, yeah, I'm
0: same Yeah, I'm the same. But there's parts but of me that like can go right.
1: Hardcore, you know, I'm not hardcore on the other side either. It just was, you know, the breakdown of morality and, you know, definitely the talking down to of women and, you know, mm-hmm. the cast the side of women during that era. I mean it just shook me to the core and you know all I could do was um play piano and write songs. And um, cuz otherwise I'd be pacing and uh, you know and I was protesting for a while and then I and then I decided um you know I just didn't want to put myself out there anymore like that but I you know then you know the songs started coming and I just said, okay, this is great. And I, 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 laughed my way through writing most of these songs. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, laugh until it doesn't hurt anymore is always one of my mantras, so, <laughs> um, you know, that, um, that way it was therapy for me because it was the only way to get through, you know, seeing such division and, you know, I'm one of, I, I'm, I'm a hippie. So like, I, I love people coming together and stuff, but, um, you know, I hope people don't find this album divisive. I hope that they find this funny. And- I
0: think it, it. I think it was funny. It didn't strike me. I mean, listen. Wow. You know, like whatever side you're on, you you got to admit there there's funny shit about the dude. Like he, he's, I, I, I probably
1: he to it, skyscrapers to the sky.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if, if I'm sorry, That's like a poor, like poor call, problem there. <laughs> Calling in the Fox News on nine eleven to be like, Looks like I've got the tallest building in the city now. Um that that's that's okay. God. At the time, tactless, but twenty plus years on, I'm like, that's pretty fucking funny. I know he wasn't trying to be. <laughs> but- <laughs> There there's and an
1: ego is strong with that one. Yeah,
0: there's there's an entertainment factor. But I was listening to it. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's divisive and I, I don't think you're telling people what to think. I you know
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to like give a little spotlight on some social things, you know, and with some humor. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the best way to do it. As you know, as you're a comedian, you know, you know that the best way to put a spotlight on something is to make a joke.
0: Yes. You know, it yeah. breaks down
1: a lot more barriers that way.
0: Yes, yes. It, it can get you in a lot of trouble, as I found out, <laughs> but <laughs> that's always that's always the intent, right? Like, let me just draw attention to this, yeah. you know? Yeah,
1: and make an impact, you know? Yeah. Um, I always lose at least two audience members whenever I sing mansplaining, but you know they're just not ready to hear it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's so funny. You wouldn't it be funny if you had guys coming up to you after the show telling you how you should have written that?
1: I have. <laughs> And that's when I just diminished, you know, into hell. And The, the I just triple say, okay, Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, um, that is, that is then so I just funny. freak
1: out and say mansplaining, mansplaining.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you almost have to be impressed when, when people have, um, that level of no self awareness. I, I always walk away a little like, I'm a little impressed with how how this person has made it this far.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, it's human behavior. Humans are so funny. You know, we're so imperfect um, and we're just trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So so are you are you out playing the songs live yet?
1: Yeah. 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 I have a great band. Wonderful band. Um, And the women on the album on the background vocals are actually my friends that I've been singing with since um, we were 13.
0: Oh, that's Um, so cool.
1: Yeah. Public high school and um, been singing together. And so they're all soloists with the band, too. Um, And so I'm, I'm starting to produce them in the next year. And um, they're solo EPs, so I'm really excited for that. And so they're dear friends of mine, and the band is incredible. We just we just get along so well. We laugh, and it's just people from all backgrounds, and mostly DC natives, mm-hmm. which there are very few of us there because we're a really transitory town. So, um, just just a lot of fun, genuine people in the band. Just we just have a blast together.
0: There's that. To, that to me is always um, like, that's the best part about being a performer. It, it's, it's, I mean, you're, I, I, I've always like, I would, if I had a lick of musical talent, I would have gone in that direction. But, um it's so cool working with your friends when 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 you've got people who who have the same goal or the same vision and and shared sensibilities and and then you get to you get to spend all weekend spend all weekend working with them or in your case you go into the studio with them and spend hours and then it just that's when it never it never feels like work it it never feels like work then
1: yeah, no, and it's great and such a supportive environment for all of us. And, you know, it took a long time to get there to find the right people, but we did. And it's it's really great. I mean, it's just, it's therapy for everybody. We, we say, you know, after we pra- when we practice together, we have a great time. When we're performing, we have an amazing time and we have really great people in the band. I'm just super high talent. I was an opera singer and a jazz singer for years. So, you know, it's really important for me to have like multidimensional people mm-hmm. in the band. I can do different genres and um, can improvise and are really high caliber. So I, you know, we found, you know, just really amazing people that also are good people and have fun together. So
0: really how, lucky. How many people are in the band?
1: Right now, 11.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that's like... Uh... You got like an E Street band thing going yeah, on there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have some, some of our people have, you know, worked in the go-go world in D.C. That's go-go music. So mm-hmm. some of them are from the Chuck Brown band. And so we have some really amazing people in our band and um, just really lucky to have them. We all just have a great time together. So I'm very, very blessed with that. I mean, we went, went through some rocky roads with some folks and then we, we ended up on the you know with just the dream band now so that's we're really happy.
0: that's great and it's great to be in a position where you could pick who you're working with oh, yeah, yeah. like I that used to I used to um, I used to fight with my ex about that because she never saw comedy like oh this isn't a job like you're just out there having fun you know and she'll see pictures on Facebook or I'm hung over the next day it's like okay I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry if I have a job I could get drunk at like don't I'm sorry you didn't choose that, but that's what I chose for myself. Um, but she never understood like the flip side. Like it wasn't always fun. A lot of times you had to work with people that you can't stand. You know, there there's a lot of um, there's a lot of creeps in in the stand up world. There's there's a lot of people that that make you very uncomfortable even even as even as a dude I would be like I'm not comfortable with this conversation why are you why are you opening up to me like that I don't even know you um and and at least at the level I'm at like I don't always get to choose who I'm working with you know sometimes it's just like here's who you're on the show with take it or leave it and uh, those nights could suck and be slogs and it's like I'm not it's not all fun and games
1: yeah yeah I hear you. and I, I hear you. I, I went through many iterations of bands until I found the people that I really, really loved making music with. And um I think creatives in in general sometimes, you know, you know, are we're so eccentric that you know, sometimes and egos sometimes get involved, you know. Mm-hmm. so for me, you know, with this the band that I'm in now, it was really important to find people that, you know, really, didn't bring a a lot of ego, you know, you gotta have a little ego, but you know, the ego that takes over the room and starts directing traffic. It was like, you know, this is a really more of a communal collaborative experience, you know? And so, you know, and, and so it's been really great to find those people that really want to have that goal in mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, you do a cover of all shook Up on yes. the EP, which I th- by the way, it's like I think it's great. It's like sultry, it's jazzy. um, but I felt like every song on the album other than that is, um is an original, right? Like you wrote you wrote the rest of the EP. and I felt like they all, uh, as funny as they were, um had some kind of message. Mm-hmm. um, so what? What made you include All Shook Up? And is there a message in there that I wasn't picking up on it?
1: Yeah, it was interesting. So I had like this, you know, I had 13 songs mm-hmm. and, um, or 12 songs. And I, I was like, what am I going to do, you know, with these songs? And um, so three songs I recorded um, in 2018. Um, cover songs before I had really written a lot. Um, I had written only really one song at that point and um, Sundown the Macho Man. And so I hadn't, um, you know, but I was facing um, a, another cancer scare and I went to, you know, four doctors and they said, oh, well, you have a 50-50 chance of this being ovarian cancer. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I just hit the studio and recorded three, three covers as soon as I could and, you know, that really healed me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about that was, you know, all shook up, I really let, you know, all my life people have been saying, oh, you have this sultriness to your voice and this sexy voice. Mm-hmm. And I never really wanted to record it. I never wanted to lay it down because I always was like, okay, but that's really easy <laughs> and <laughs> boring. <laughs> and I hate love songs, but it was kind of a sex song. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I was like, okay. And um, I always thought like it would be fun. Like I love Elvis, but I thought it would be really fun to do a female version of All Shook Up because it's, you know, Elvis was so sexy, but like, you know, having a really sexy version of Elvis. And so that version of All Shook Up I recorded before I got a hysterectomy basically to, you know, further prevent another recurrence of Mm -hmm. cancer Mm because I'm a mom first. And so before I ripped everything out, I laid it down and was like, you know what? I'm going to lay down my voice. I'm going to do this one sexy song in the history of my vocal life and give people what they've always been asking for and never do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was sort of like me claiming my you know my sexuality for the last time
0: right so i it's almost I, I it's almost sort of like i know you i or you read about a lot of times when when women have breast cancer and they're getting the mastectomy or the double mastectomy, they go and they take topless photos just for themselves so it was almost uh almost something like that like just to yeah it
1: was like yeah. you know let's 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 remember like that i was really sexual at one point you know and And just let it be there where i you know i i i kind of hid that from a lot of people because i i'm not really that sexual like i you know i have a I'm been married for 20 years and happily married and um my husband have a great relationship but um you know i've never i'm not a huge flirt right you know or anything like that um but people uh, assume that about me so i just was like you know what if the shoe fits wear it once you know
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just let it all hang out once Rachel give them what they've been asking for all these years
0: do, so. do you do it live because it, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing it
1: yeah I did it I did everything pretty much live um, and then I would like splice splice up the tracks and pick you know good parts but,
0: I, I, but are, you, are you performing it live
1: Did I perform it live? Oh, yeah, I perform it live.
0: Oh, okay. And and how's the crowd reaction?
1: I love it. I mean, you know, it's Elvis, you know, it's
0: Elvis.
1: (laughs) My dad also loved Elvis. He was a guitarist and he died of cancer, like right when I was recording that he was dying. Um, And so it was sort of like, oh, you know, it's life. Um, But, uh, you know, it was just sort of he loved the, the silliness of Elvis and the over the top. So I was like, you know what, Dad, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to record this for you. You know, it's like an homage to Elvis. And um, and it was an homage to my, you know, to getting rid of all of my my organs. I like to say that I'm just a hoe with a hole. We <laughs>
0: <up. laughs> just found our episode title. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's really funny when I tell people that, like, I just slip it in. I get real serious and I slip that in. It's really fun. Um, But, yeah, it it just, you know, it's it was just it was just that it was like me reclaiming that part of me. Because you can still be a nasty woman and be sexy, Mm -hmm. you know, you still like be feminist and be sexy, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So I kind of want to mess with people a little bit with that.
0: Um, I was reading the story behind your recording of, uh, Pollyanna's lament mm-hmm. Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, uh, you felt like you were channeling your grandmother to, and, and you woke up at four in the morning. You just got up, went to the piano and sat down and played it. And it was almost complete.
1: Yeah, it was complete by nine. and it was just kind of poured right out of me. And, um, you know, my grandmother was really an amazing person. She was very proper and um, and very self-sufficient. She was a strong woman. And, um, you know, she married a guy that, you know, was sort of there and sort of not and wasn't as supportive as he should be. Um, and, of course, he was my grandfather. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that he was part of it because I wouldn't be there. <laughs> right. Um, but he... Um, You know, he wasn't really very supportive or loving of her and did not foster her independence. But he kind of did, too, because he left her a lot. You know, he left her with the kids on her own without a lot of money. And then he would come back and be grumpy again. And so she never she never cracked um, her smile. Like She just she lost her her parents at a very young age and decided that she would never complain again in her life. And um, she had some really difficult um, relationships in her life um, and she just never cracked a smile. You know, she always had the smile, she always painted the smile on her face. She looked like a million bucks, mm-hmm. you know, even though her husband only gave her $5 a week allowance her entire life, you know, a lot but- of the money she had was hers. Um, so very repressed, you know, but she, she just made the best out of it, made lemonade out of lemons. And um, I just thought about Pollyanna, you know, because a lot of people have called me Pollyanna through my life, like um, just looking at the bright side of things and um, maybe innocently or naively. And um, I just thought about how Pollyanna was her and Pollyanna's me, but you know what what, you know, there's a great um, opera aria, Dido's Lament. And it's, you know, the, the last lament before she dies. She sings this beautiful aria. It's a handle aria. And um, I thought, God, this is really a lament. When I wrote it, I said, this is a lament. This is like, this is Dido's lament. But it's like, she's channeling through me, you know, her regrets, her resentments. Mm-hmm. and It's a warning for my kids, you know, if they, if they ever end up with the reason rather than the lifetime guy, you know or girl whoever they're going to be with um you know they'll they'll know how to get out of it they'll know that they ha- that's a, at least an option right um and you know so <coughs> it's like healing my grandmother's story but also healing the generations ahead of me story
0: but it sounds like um your grandma had some cool shit going on Back then, like she was in theater, she she was a writer, like she was doing a lot of things that women weren't really supposed to do back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was she was a writer for Parents Magazine and she drove around and traveled around and wrote um, about different schools, you know, and reviews. And she was, you know, considered a spinster at some point because she wasn't married until she was almost 30 back then in the thirties, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, she, she kind of ended up with the first guy that said, Hey, Hey, good looking, you know? And, um, so, but she, she did a lot in between that. And then she, you know, and he left her a few times throughout their life, um, with the kids and she still made do, she was still able to do it. You know, she was able to scrape together that five bucks a week and, um, get jobs and get housing for the kids and different parts of the country and and just make do with what she had and just always had a smile on her face you know and all along she could have left him yeah and had a whole life because she was able to but um she just wanted to keep keep going with it you know to hold hold it all together
0: yeah and back then nobody ever got divorced really
1: right right so, you know, I think that that's, it's important to tell that story. You know, it's important to tell my kids that story. That, yeah, you know, I think
0: that's so cool for your kids to have that.
1: Yeah. And it's important to tell a story too. I mean, some of it's me, you know, it's not about my husband and I, but it's it's about other relationships in my life, certainly. <laughs> Bless you. That oh, I've learned to you. just sort of, you know, able to get, you know, able to understand that, like, if things are toxic, you know, there's a you can't can walk away, you know, and it took me a long time to get.
0: Um. Yeah, that's so that's so cool for your kids, because now in just one, like. Four minute song, they can they can go back a few generations.
1: Yeah, in, in yeah, your okay.
0: like your bloodline, that's that's yeah. so cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they can also, you know, I always tell them there's people people in your life whether it's romantically or friendship or, you know, even family sometimes can be, you know, they're they're you're they're in your life for a reason season or a lifetime. So if you see it that way, you know, you can kind of practice the Buddhist the philosophy of unattachment, you know, detachment. It's like, okay, this person was here for this or this person was here for this and um there's only you know a few people in your life that you're going to have for the lifetime right to see that and to see see that in you know and and to understand that in um friendships and relationships you know in general is is really important because it took me 40 years to understand that
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: i was trying to cling on to everybody i could <laughs> uh and then i was like wait 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 it, it, it. sometimes people aren't supposed to be in your life forever and it's okay and it, the, it, it's blessings you know it's Even if it was terrible it was a blessing
0: yeah but it, it's tough to accept that sometimes right like it's it takes you it takes you a while like when i um not to get too heavy but like when i decided i i wanted out of my marriage um uh I, I lost you know i lost friends through it that that really? were that were my friends that they came into the marriage and, and they they were my friends right. and um it uh it it and it's upsetting when it's somebody you've known 20 30 years oh, but um
1: I'm <laughs> yeah
0: but it it happens and, and you got to deal with it and and move on. And part of it is accepting, like, oh, it's not everybody's forever. And 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 you also don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They can, yeah. the people can just come and go.
1: Yeah, exactly, and exactly. And then then and then just you, you're becoming more of an observer of life when you see it that way, rather than you know, uh, life happening to you. You know, you you can observe it and say, okay, you know, this is okay. It's okay. You know, it was a season. Maybe another season will come around, you know, the earth does turn. Um, Maybe, maybe things will come back again or maybe they won't, but, you know, you know, it was a blessing while I was here and what was good and, you know, and I learned a lot.
0: Yeah. That's that's a good, that's a good way of looking at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, thank you for giving me that crap and making my life crappy for a while because I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really why we're here to just figure out things, new things and learn new lessons. And then, you know, maybe we come back, you know, who knows, who knows what happens when we go, but might as well make the best of it when we got the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um you mentioned your your dad played guitar but yeah. t- tell me about what kind of what kind of musician i mean they i know guitar off, but
1: yeah he started off like loving billy holly billy buddy holly and mm-hmm. you know um all those greats in the 60s and so he became like a um he was the first a rockabilly guitarist in dc and he was pretty well known at, at that time and then he and then he started um doing jazz more and then um And then he became kind of a hippie and he like had this moment where he was like, classical's the only way. (laughs) So he became a classical guitarist. And so growing up, it was always like jazz and classical all the time in the house. And so it was like a requirement, um, And I, you know, I just picked up on it and he taught music from the home. So I was, I have every guitar song, classical guitar repertoire song ever written in my head. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's like imprinted. Um, But, you know, just, he would take me to things like Lambert Hendrix and Ross when I grew up. And I loved harmony and loved, you know, multi-part music. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love singing with my friends because we really... Um, they're amazing. And um my friend Jerica writes all the harmonies and um and it's just great to sing in four-part harmonies. So I love that. And um, you know, just jazz is a huge influence to me. It's my it's my first love. Um, you know, I remember singing it when I was like five, you know, my fifth birthday party. I think I think the whole Lambert Hendricks and Ross album for my friend. We were like, who is this? Weirdo <laughs> can we put on some Michael Jackson? Um, but, uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just love, I, I love jazz is the core of everything I write. Um, but you know, I have country influences and soul influences. Obviously I love soul and, and there's opera in all the songs. They're so mm-hmm. very theatrical and cabaret ish. Yes. Um, and, uh and big you know I played it small so much in my life I was like it's time to just be big like of um so it's big and loud and I I'm not apologetic for that
0: no it's great I, <laughs> I I I loved it I listened to it and it it felt um instantly familiar to me because it's the kind of music that my dad and my stepmom loved like that is. Every, they, they were very into satire, political satire. They would drag me to see the Capitol steps, you know, yeah. which which is not where a ten year old necessarily wants to be, but but they loved it, and it, it it was it was always on. So as soon as I heard this. You know, I'm. I'm, I know you mentioned losing your dad a few years. I lost my dad five years ago, and I I still have that impulse. Like, I got to call my dad because he's gonna love this album.
1: Yeah, Um, I had the same thing when I wrote it. I was like, "This is just for dad." Like when he was when he was dying, I said, "Dad, I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it for you."
0: Yeah. Uh, And
1: um. When he passed, a lot of songs poured out of me because he he wrote satire. He loved writing dirty songs. Oh, that's great! I grew great. up on the dirty song book. Um, it was always like just a hoot nanny of silly songs. You know, every Christmas, every Christmas song became a dirty song. You know, we just laughed so much writing new lyrics to old songs in the house. So, you know, it was really fun to write my own music with my own chords and my own melodies, you know, except for mansplaining is kind of like an old, um, the the melody is an old, you know, Irish folk tune, Mm -hmm. but, um, everything else just, it was really fun to make my own stuff. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, he was around to hear sundown. He was really excited to hear that. So, you know, um, i'm grateful that he heard at least one
0: that's great yeah and i'm i'm sure you know he's he's heard it you know oh
1: yeah he he helped me write him
0: (laughs) (laughs) i always i always say like i would give anything just to hear my dad one more time ask me like oh did you get paid for that Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, dad, yeah. I, I've been doing this for a decade. They, they pay me now. You don't have to ask. <laughs>
1: I'm getting paid. I promise, dad. I promise. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's 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 hard. It's hard. Yeah. I was just having that thought this morning, like, oh, man, dad would have been so happy. But, you know, he is. Yeah. He is. I can't I can't see his face. And hear him laugh, and his laugh was all-encompassing. He was like a Buddha, um, you know, just the rocking forward and backward when mm-hmm. um, he laughed. Um, but he's he loves it. I know he does.
0: Yeah, ah, uh, that's great. Well, um, what's uh, what's next for you?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a cancer survivor, and I I do a lot of nonprofit work, and this mm-hmm. year. Um, my, my best breast friend and I, um, and she has stage four um, breast cancer. Oh, i sorry to hear so, that. Oh, you know, it's okay. We, we have a lot of people, and we've made big waves in, in the cancer world with, you know, being proactive as advocates. So we've changed a lot of the landscape, you know, or helped it change being vocal. So we're, we're doing that. And um, we started a nonprofit, the two of us, called Cancer Culture so we're doing (laughs) that's a um, great name yeah because you know when you get cancer you kind of get cancelled too yep um so um we just thought it would be great and we're we're kind of the badasses of the cancer world so we're kind of like the punk rock girls of the cancer world so we're doing new york fashion week this september and milan fashion week
0: oh wow Um,
1: breast cancer survivors you know we're doing like topless or you know barely there. Um, and working with another breast cancer, um, um, bra maker, Anna Ono on New York fashion week. Um, so, and, um, some, some, um, Italian designers from Milan. So we're bringing survivors from all over the country together to walk in these fashion shows. And so that's going to be fun. And then, um, in October, we're going to do a big, um, living my breast life camp, um, a show on October seventeenth in DC. And that,
0: that was the title of your first EP, right? Like your that your first EP. first
1: EP. Yeah, and so <clears throat> before the pandemic, we did a show every year called Live from Stage Four, where we would have breath <laughs> and that's sort of how the band-
0: <laughs> It's another great yeah. name.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like how the band kind of. <laughs> <was great. laughs> would do these like, you know, really fun shows and we'd have breast cancer survivors from all over the country, um, to send upon DC to kind of protest, um, and ask for funding for metastatic breast cancer research. So we said, well, we'll just have a big concert the night before. And, um, so all these women would, you know, pick a song that they want to sing. It would be like a make a wish for, you know, adults with metastatic or, you know, or early stage mm-hmm. cancer and get on stage with a live band in front of all your, breast cancer friends and sing. So it was really fun and it made a huge impact in so many people's lives. Um, and so we're going to recreate that as cancer culture this year in DC. And, um, so we're about to launch that, um, and ask for survivors to sing. So I'm really excited about that. And, um, and we're ready between the, um, living my breast life and, um, the What a Nasty Woman shows that we've put, putting on this year in DC, we have about 50, 50 songs the band now can just, you know, do and they're all woman empowerment songs or songs about hope or, you know, survival. So it's, it's going to be great to see the survivors do that. And, you know, we'll take them into the studio and get everybody, you know, have a really great experience, a healing experience. Singing is so healing. You know, it's, it's like when you breathe deeply, and breathe out. You're like massaging all of your organs. You're getting all of your cells. All your cells are just, you know, bouncing around. And so singing is so healthy and so crucial. I mean, it's helped me so much in my survival. So that's why I always like to give the gift of singing back to survivors because it really is um, a crucial part of breath. Breath work is so important for us all.
0: Yeah, it does, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm sure you could just guess by my voice that I'm terrible at it but um uh it makes me feel so good like when I'm in the car and I'm like I almost black out I'm singing so loud to some of this sh- and I know it sounds terrible but it it feels it feels so good
1: It doesn't have to sound great that's the you know that's the thing I tell people it just is healthy for you to sing you know, it doesn't have to sound great. It doesn't, and that, like I tell the survivors, it doesn't, I don't care if you sound good or not. You know, it's just a matter of of, of letting go and being on stage. And the funny thing about working with survivors and, you know, professional musicians on the same stage is that professional musicians are sometimes more have more stage fright mm-hmm. than somebody facing the end of their life or a crucial diagnosis that's, you know, life changing. Because I think once you face death, you're sort of like, well, pff, I'm alive now, so let's make the best of it. And you yep. kind of lose your fear on a lot of things. You just The fear just, it's like, well, carpe diem, you know? Yep. So it's inspiring for the musicians to be around the cancer patients because they're like, they have zero fear and they're not even singing like, they're not professional singers and they're singing and they're having so much fun. Why can't I just have fun and let go, you know? And so it's healing for the people in the band and inspiring for them, but it's also healing and inspiring for the survivors because they're getting, you know, four part harmony underneath them and a horn section and like they're on stage and it's just, it's transformative, you know, it's empowering.
0: Yeah, uh, um, that that sounds uh, that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, that's... and then the whole audience just it gets into it, and it's 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 almost like church, you know, because you're seeing people just like having these amazing experiences, and then rooting them on, and I just love rooting people on.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, it is great. It is great, and so I'm really glad you like the album. Um, it was a blast to make and it was, you know,
0: I'm, I'm telling you within 20 seconds of hitting play mentally, I was like, I gotta call my dad. Like it it just, (laughs) it just, it felt, uh, just instantly familiar to me, which, um, to me is that's like one of the best things you can say, uh, uh, about music.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a blast to write, and it was a blast to create. And so, I'm just glad that the that the baby's out there in the world now, and people can listen to it and take it in, and then and tell me what they think. Because I love hearing that it you know made people think. I had a lot of men come up to me after I released mansplaining. And was like, you know, I listened to it, and the first time I was mad, and then the second time I was like, wait, I do do this, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm, and I'm I'm not doing that anymore at work. And I'm like, good, good.
0: <laughs> Mans- mansplaining is such an unusual concept to me because it's like, okay, it, and I recognize I for sure have done that, you know? Like, I, but there's also times where it's like, okay, but like, at what point is it okay to give somebody information they didn't actually know, you know? Like,
1: yeah. I think it's when, um, you know, it's asked for and when it's important. Yeah. But when it's not asked for and you can see that the person has got the, a handle on it. The,
0: the, I, the <laughs> people, the idea, that, the idea that guys come up to you after the show to tell you like what you could do differently with that is that is just it's so many levels of irony and hilarity.
1: There's so many levels of irony in I won't say a lot, but in creating, bringing that song to creation with the people that I brought that into creation with, that was, that had mansplaining as a part of it. It was like, wow. You know, (laughs) 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 I don't, I don't need to get into that, but you know, it was sort of like, really?
0: (laughs) You, you know what else cracks me up all the time is i'll hear i'll hear dudes say like oh i didn't um they'll they'll use being a girl dad as in like oh you know i i have a daughter so i don't do this anymore or it, it's always it's like wait like you had to wait to have a daughter to realize that you just should be a like a good person <laughs>
1: Well, you know, good on them. At least they're changing at some point, right? Yeah.
0: But I'm not like you didn't have a mom. Like you never came in contact with another woman in your life that had some kind of positive impact that you were like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be an asshole.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's just so ingrained in society. I don't really blame any particular man for that stuff. It's just sort of like how society is. Yeah. And so that was sort of like, you know, the. The The backstory of that song was just sort of like, yeah, I mean, that song came to me. I was at a, at a meeting of all moms. It was Moms Demand Action. It was right after the Parkland shooting, and we were sitting in this big church, and there's like 250 women. And my friend was moderating the entire thing, and this guy kept standing up and getting his, you know, interrupting people and getting his opinion heard. And the women around me were like, ugh. <laughs> the first time he stood up, we're like, "Oh, god. oh god!" And I think I just said it out loud. I said, "There he goes, mansplaining again." And the, like <laughs> a third of the audience, you know, everyone's upset about you know the st- status of the world. Everyone's coming in, they're upset and angry, and they all burst out laughing, like almost to tears. And so I was just driving home I was like, man, splain', man, splain'. Now isn't that fun? And I just wrote the whole thing. By the time I was home, I was like, had the pen and paper. I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. Oh,
0: oh, oh my God, I love that. I love that there's some dude in the world that now has inspired a song uh, uh, <laughs> like about what a chode he was. <laughs> and he's walking around, he has no idea that this song's no idea. out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, well, yeah. Rachel, I had so much fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad that um, I'm really happy I I came in and did this. I was I was uh, I was gonna shout the show for another couple of weeks, and and then I was reading up on you, and I I said, yeah, this is definitely somebody that I would like to speak with. So thank you so much for coming on, and tell the listeners uh, where they can find you. If you have any socials you want to give out,
1: yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me. This was a blast. Great. Um, yeah. So my, you can find me anywhere on Rachel Burns Music. So Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, the YouTube channel is doing really well, too. So, and we have another video coming up next week for Triple D's. Oh. So that's coming out and that's one of my favorite videos. So that should be coming out soon.
0: Okay, good. I'll I'll look for it. And um this was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And listen, go go listen to Rachel's EP. It's 25 minutes. <laughs> it's it's even even if you don't love it, it it only took 25 minutes. You know what I mean? It's not like she didn't put out a triple album. She's not like the Clash doing Sandanista with eighty-four songs and over six hours. It's twenty-five minutes. Give it a listen.
1: It's not a big deal, guys. You know, just take a moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think I, I think you're gonna love it. And uh, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, and, you, thank um, you for having me. Yes, it, it was my pleasure. Uh, we'll see. Yes. In, we'll see in a couple weeks, everybody.